This poor fellow isn't sharp. He's weary and confused. He doesn't care about us, and he probably doesn't know what he's talking, 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 talking about. And you, you are puzzled. Man, do I have a doozy for you. Now, this first clip is like a motion comic called Plannedopolis. And so be forewarned, it's kind of noisy and loudy and it's narrative driven. But the message is the same. And this is this was posted like 11 years ago. And it's everything that's happening now. The, the snowball is rolling towards. Um... So, here you go. Try not to hate it that much. It is kind of a bit noisy, but uh, if you want to watch it, look up Plannedopolis. It's easy to find. Fortunately, unfortunately, a lot of times they just like to put stuff plain in sight. Oh, hi. I'm so glad you're on time. I'm V. I'm looking forward to showing you around Plannedopolis today. My husband works from home. He's a virtual engineer working on one of the city's desalination plants. He controls the robots who do all the important maintenance. I think he basically plays computer games for a living. <laughs> you ready to go? Have you got your calorie card open on your smartphone? I registered your visit with Slick Travel Corp the other day, so they've uh, allotted you a journey time to, to match mine. It makes so much sense, doesn't it? Switch off brain and go to work. <laughs> With this many people around, I'm glad there's a mega computer in charge. We're so lucky. Uh, our kids were allocated a school quite near my practice so I can drop them off on the way. It saves on our calorie ration. Well, it won't be long until the little darlings get their career announcements. They've been working so hard, so I'm sure they'll get something good. N not that there's anything wrong with fixing carbon scrubbers for a living or anything. Are you hungry? Let's pop to the market as we're passing. Right, what's on the menu this month? No, not meat. It's not your birthday. The Global Food Council are doing a really good job of keeping food production going. I mean, you don't get the choice you used to, but we're better off than most. I think it's probably easiest to walk from here. You barely see a car in the city centre nowadays, unless you're rich. <laughs> Oh, the state knows they just aren't practical anymore. We're all trying to meet our global carbon deal. Electric bikes are so much better for getting around our neighbourhood. And why waste valuable space on car parks when you can use them to grow food? I don't care what you say, Alex. They don't deserve to live in that ghetto. They are completely disconnected. No high-speed transport system, no new internet. They miss out on jobs and many essential services, too. Oh... <laughs> Hi again. <laughs> what a day. I had to make a, an emergency visit to the Cry Freedom Ghettos. I mean, I miss my sister like mad, but I'm glad they went when they moved to New Amsterdam. They're safe from climate change on the floating city. <laughs> that must be her now. It's much easier to meet up with friends virtually now. So many cities have banned cars in central areas. Ooh, looks like she's got some juicy gossip. So that reminded me of a little bit like a brave new world where um, even as kids, they are Pavlovian. I don't know if I said that right, whatever. 
uh, Pavlovian <laughs> trained to fear nature. So they so that oh these babies are gonna be the working class. We are gonna put them on a, a electrical floor, and as soon as they touch these flowers and trees, we're gonna shock them until they no longer want to touch these flowers and trees. So then they go to work, and then they don't want to hug a tree. Um, so I would go to uh, Freedom, Cry Freedom City or whatever, or Cry Freedom Ghetto uh, for the lack of control. And for the lack of control, all, all these smart devices are definitely monitoring you and watching you. And here is a clip from an Australian governor telling you how it is and how it's going to be from here on out. Thank you, Mr. Acting Deputy President. Australian cities are becoming digital surveillance precincts with so-called smart city programs being rolled out across the country. Invasive technologies such as facial recognition cameras, license plate readers, smart lights, smart poles, smart cars, smart neighbourhoods, smart homes and smart appliances all connected to wireless networks and communicating with each other. So what's wrong with that? Technology is good, isn't it? All this is for your safety, security and convenience, isn't it? Well, let me tell you, your streets are spying on you, your mobile phone is spying on you, your cities are spying on you, and the infrastructure for future lockdowns is being put into place right now. Don't be fooled. You're being set up to be tracked through your movements and through the future of your digital wallets. By handing over your data, you're handing over the ability to monitor your behaviour, which will soon be turned into a social credit score. And once the central bank digital currencies are in place, you won't get to spend your money without approval. Digital ID will soon become a reality in Australia. Many other countries are already rolling these systems out. Countries like Canada, Scotland and many others. Eventually, you won't be able to access any government or public services and you won't be able to travel across borders or access healthcare or the internet without a digital ID. Think you won't comply? I think you will. The last two years were the dress rehearsal and we fell for it hook, line and sinker. Australians are sleepwalking into this technocratic future. And while we're sitting around, scratching our chins, trying to work out whether this is really happening, Australia is drifting towards a dystopian digital future. So what I want to do with this podcast is not... Obviously, it's conspiratorial. Obviously, fucking A. Um, but the conspiracy... I'm not trying to... How do I put this? Pretty much what I'm trying to do for you is that us normal people are slowly getting put back to the turn of the century and probably in a hundred years we're going to have to fight for fucking everything again. Pretty much fight for our children to not have to work. You know, you know, I don't know. Climate change is real. I will, I will say that climate change is real. But the way the powers and the rich are constantly taking away our rights and our freedoms, and not just in America, but everywhere else, everywhere else. In America, you just have to look overseas and then realize that's coming here. Canada, our neighbor, is coming here. Like, it's it's not going to be great. I fear for my children, if I ever have any, and 
I, they, they tell, they told you us, they, they told us you will own nothing and you will be happy. That's a fucking insane thing to post in the paper. What, what was that New York times or was that Washington post? Although that doesn't matter much, truly, they're both owned by rich people. You will own nothing and be happy. Happy shirt. There's a shirt. Oh, cool. Uh, it was Forbes. T- Reuters. Fact check. The World Economic Forum. What does this say? It ha- does not have a stated goal to have people own nothing by 2030. T- okay. Yeah, it's not it's not a goal for 2030, but it's going to happen sooner or later. And here we go. Um on a, on a less horrible note, here is an interview I got to do with a paleontologist. I hope you enjoy it. It was fun to meet another character. And by that, do you remember the last one I met? Apple bot Apple toffee apple tipsy bottom. I'm still imagining him. I hope he is alive and Santa didn't does not continue to kill him or whatever. That was very ominous. Anyways, here's a uh what the fuck Randall something. Tompkins? I think that's what his name was. So I'm here with a paleontologist, Randall Tompkins. And before let, let me just introduce him really quick. If if you don't mind that, Randall. It's all right. Um, go ahead. Thank you, Randall. So, um, just correct me if I'm wrong. Randall, well, let let let's just say, um, when dealing with dinosaurs, there is sort of a a, a status quo you have to go for, go with, and Randall is considered one of the bad boys i guess you could say of paleontology he was one of the original people to combat the idea that they are these scaly creatures when i was young that's what we all um grew up thinking and then we learned that they evolved into birds and randall was one of the first few paleontologist that actually tried to um, combat the scale idea and put forth the feathered serpent. Um, isn't isn't that, did I cover it r- rather well, Randall? Yeah, that, that that's about sums it up. Um, I got a lot of backlash from it, but it just, it makes sort of sense. And, um, Here's another thing that I've been pondering. Um, the feathered serpent Quetzalcoatl, uh, the god. Um, the thing with that being is I am starting to think that it had to do with a dinosaur. That that um, people didn't understand Quetzalcoatl could be anything besides... Well, he's called a feathered serpent for a reason, right? Yeah, and and, the, and it's also bothered me because, I, you know what? I see where you're coming from, Randall. Thank, thank you. Um, 
so I'm, I'm, I'm my new my new thing I'm pondering is that, um, and I am certainly gonna get a lot of backlash. Um, but thank you for having me on. That uh, I, I fear the paleontologist will come for you, but you have a brother in arms with me, and Quetzalcoatl. I believe that maybe he was a dinosaur and that somehow a person or a hominid, whatever they were back then, whatever you want to call them, uh, Neanderthals, I don't know, I don't know. Um, that somehow maybe a human and a dinosaur got along together and they took Quetzalcoatl, a dinosaur, as a god because it was the last of their kind and that this human was, um, even though in my eyes was the controller of the dinosaur, in their eyes was the translator for these people that's very interesting um so uh, let me i i I just want to get on to one of the um, newer things you've started to discuss and that is the mating patterns and mating like how dinosaurs had sex yes it's very interesting because if you are familiar with chickens or birds, how they produce is called a colloquial or a colloquial kiss. And I, I don't know if that originated with dinosaurs or not. It's, it's a very, it's a large debate in paleontology right now. Now, a lot of people are starting to think this way, but some people think that it's the old way of just imagine how any other mammal mates. There you go. Now, I am for one thinking that the thing about dinosaurs is since we don't know really we just have these bones in our imagination. And the beautiful thing about imagination is it can be anything you want or desire. So what if, and if you look at certain different species, the male and the female look slightly different. Now this will get me, it has got me in trouble, and you will get in trouble too. And I apologize, but you know, for having me on the show, that you could get in some trouble. Listen, I'm not worried about any nerds, no paleontologists coming at me. Just, it, it's fine. I mean, <clears throat> how how many people are really going to get pissed off? Quite a bit, actually. If they if they listen into this, you will get hate mail. But uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm stalling. I just wanted to put it out there. Now, 
I am starting to think, and once again, we really don't know. Now, we know the Tyrannosaurus Rex has is the king of the dinosaurs, right? And if you look at them, they got really small hands. And how is something with really small hands going to mount or because even with a colloquial kiss, there is some mounting. How is it going to mount another one properly with those little hands? You can't see. Another thing is, if 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 you did um, what, what was that show with Scott Bakula? Not it was uh, Quantum Leap. If you quantum leaped into a Tyrannosaurus Rex and you were horny, you couldn't masturbate because of the tiny hands. So I always started to assume that maybe the Bronchiosaurus sucked the Tyrannosaurus Rex off because it has this long neck that those hands can get around and properly adjust to its colloquial will. Or, because a colloquial kiss is just a, like a vent, and it just, the, like, uh, the colloquial is a vent, and the male and the female touch, and it is, it is, uh, the, the sperm is exchanged rather quickly. So, what I, what my imagination is coming forth, because the, the way these things are formed, it makes, it doesn't make a lot of sense, really. Although you can look, look at giraffe and be like, it's got a long neck to reach the leaves, so does a bronchiosaurus. But, what if the bronchiosaurus was the female of the 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 actual female of that species of dinosaur and the tyrannosaurus rex were all male because growing up i always figured they were all male the tyrannosaurus rex because very strong and dominant now the bronchiosaurus you know later on you get uh, little foot from Land Before Time. That was that. I was like twenty four when that came out. Um, so that didn't really affect me. Um, but what I am starting to think is that the Bronchiosaurus was a female, and it would swallow the cum of the Tyrannosaurus Rex, and then regurgitate the egg and that is how it would reproduce now i know that sounds totally wrong but wouldn't a really long neck be useful for something else like holding eggs and swallowing semen now you're probably wondering what about like velociraptors you just you just have to look at the dinosaur and go 
Well, do I think that's a male or a female? And velociraptors are very small. So you gotta think it might be a female. And what might a female velociraptor help with? Well, maybe a spinosaurus. And a stegosaurus is a male. And the triceratops, just like a land before time got with Sarah. The triceratops is a female. So you're going, well, how does a stegosaurus don't got a long neck for swallowing, come, or holding eggs? Well, how do they reproduce? Well, I tell you, they awful got a lot of spikes, so it'll be hard to mount. Well, that's why the stegosaurus is a male. And why does the triceratops have that big-ass head? Well, once again, it swallows a cum and regurgitates an egg because the triceratops, it kind of, you see, it kind of goes under and lifts it up. You know, sort of, I don't, I don't know, you wouldn't say doggy style, but although sometimes dogs do kind of stick their nose in the asshole or a crotch to get a good whiff, so, so, so it'd be something similar to that fashion. But So, you're saying that more or less all the dinosaurs swallow cum and regurgitate eggs yes just like a chicken but through the mouth i'm saying their colloquial kisses are more like the kisses of a human and although us humans don't regurgitate eggs we can swallow cum but it does nothing you get maybe a little vitamins, a little minerals, maybe some protein, and you get some sodium. But you don't reproduce. In that why, I think that the dinosaurs did it. Because they are so big. And it doesn't make sense that they could mount one another. Now, you're saying a big thing and a big thing can probably mount each other. But I don't know. But I I just want to go back and say the beautiful thing about dinosaurs is our imagination. And you don't want to take the imagination away from somebody. I agree. The imagination is slowly being sucked away from everybody and most importantly kids. Because kids don't have to use it these much when you got a phone constantly. Exactly. I grew up way before phones. I when when did uh 
Land Before Time come out. I, I, I just want to make sure I, I was getting my age right. Land Before Time came out in 1988. So, 80, yeah, I was about 24. And so that means, I, I mean, I was born in 64, right? We still had corded phones. And, uh, you know, Star Trek and all that made stuff that seemed to be able. I mean, I didn't see my first first cellular phone until like 94. You know, you always seen those big brick ones, but I didn't grow up in a, in a metropolitan area. Got to understand that. Nobody in my area had the money to get one of those unless you're like dealing drugs or like some fancy CEO. Wait, what was that? What, what, what was guy going on about? Well, we were just talking about the importance of imagination. That's right. So you can come at me and yell at me if you want for talking about how dinosaurs suck each other off and regurgitate eggs, but at least I'm using my imagination. And it makes sense if you were me. And maybe if you aren't and you ponder the way I do, maybe it'll make sense to you too. Now, I... It doesn't make sense. Like, I could see how the tiny little... Tiny little hands, yep. Tiny little hands of the... uh, What what, what was it again? Tyrannosaurus Rex. Thank you. The tiny hands of the Tyrannosaurus Rex. I can see how they could properly hold the Bronchiosaurus, right? Yes, Bronchiosaurus. Right, right. And uh, I could see how one could proper it could properly hold it to um, swallow the cum and then later on regurgitate the eggs. I could see that, like I could envision all this happening, but it doesn't make a lot of. It seems way too extra for mating patterns and mating rituals. I understand, but. Isn't it a lot funner if you think about dinosaurs sucking each other off? <laughs> you do have me there. Um, is there anything... Where, where can people find and reach out to you? Well, you can email me at Randall P. Tompkins. That's T O M P K. I'm sorry, T-O-M-P-A-L-K-I-N-S at gmail.com. That's Randall P. Tompkins at gmail.com. P's for paleontology. And uh, you can look at, you can find my book coming out in uh, porno stores. It's called Dinosaurs Be Doing It. The Sucking Off of Seropods, Volume 1. And uh, later on, I should be shooting 
the first uh, CGI, I guess, um, demonstration of this happening. I'm going to try because a lot of people can't imagine it like we discussed. So I figured if I could get a small budget to produce this, then maybe people will be able to agree or imagine it themselves. Because I recently also found out that some people don't have an inner voice. And if you don't have an inner voice, I can't trust you. Yeah, I, yeah, that bothers me. I've, it bothers me so much. I ask, I tell people that and I ask them and every person I've talked to, they're blown away at that fact and they have the inner monologue. So I think that's bullshit. Well, I hope it is. And, uh, what else do do? Um, I think that's it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you can, any questions or current or questions or concerns, or if you want to generously donate so I can fund the video, um, email me and, and I'll get back to you. Just, I'm, I'm worried about all the hate mail. Well, I don't, I don't think my audience will be so hateful because suck it. Dinosaurs sucking each other off is pretty funny. Hey. hey now, it's not funny. It's serious science. And you know what I say about science? Science sucks. So why not have something sucking off? <laughs> All right, Randall. Have, uh, it was nice meeting you. Nice talking to you. Same. Um, hopefully um, you get it published or produced or, or whatever. And uh, I look forward to it. Thank you for having me on, Chad. All right, bye. Oh, what an interesting fellow. I, as you heard, I, I, I can visualize it, but I'm not certain on whether I buy into that. Uh, maybe, and here, I, and I'm just riffing on what he was saying about the feathers. Maybe they were flightless birds because their feathers were so stuck together with the cum. But I don't see like the, the bronchiosaurus being able to fly. I mean, obviously they didn't have any wings, but uh, uh, the whole idea of feathers makes me assume they could fly. But now in hindsight, I'm like... They would literally have wings if that was the case and be dragons. I wonder if I wonder if the idea of dragons came from finding the bones or if like there always used to be one motherfucker hanging out. You know, like a pygmy dinosaur. You know how when there's an apocalypse there's always like these small pocket um pocket civilizations that continue i wonder if that's how it was with dinosaurs there was like small pocket dinosaurs that still stuck around and uh aren't with us anymore unfortunately but that's why and how and where and what we have all the stories of dragons um 
Martin Luther King Jr. is coming up, and uh, that's that's a day of remembering somebody who was killed by the government. And if you don't know, the FBI sent MLK a package with uh, tapes of his uh, of um, in, uh, a marital affair, in with a note that just said kill yourself so if that doesn't uh have any alarms go off in your head i don't know what i can do for you except for say the fbi or the government or the cia one of them killed mlk and with that i want to take you into a, a a nice meditation The holidays are finally over, and it's a time to relax. It's a new year. I want you to breathe in all the worries that you had for Thanksgiving and Christmas and breathe them out. I want you to breathe out the seasonal depression or after the seasons, the seasonal after depression. Breathe in the after seasonal depression. They say suicide rates spike during the holidays, but I, but I do believe it's the opposite because people tend to be more in a holly jolly spirit. They say more people kill themselves during the holidays, and I'm saying no. It's this time they do. It's this time after Christmas blues. So what if during one of your holiday parties, your cousin fought with your aunt, and your uncle pulled out a gun and threatened to shoot said cousin that doesn't matter that's in the past breathe it out breathe it out take a deep breath in you're making a vision board of what you want 2023 to be you have a beautiful body yet you only go to the gym one time a week again and envision yourself dangling from the ceiling. You are the dangling saint. The saint that shows up during Christmas to those that are in a super jolly mood because even though the statistic or the, the saying that more people kill themselves during the holidays is wrong, 
the patron saint of those who do come to visit those who are in a good mood. I want you to envision yourself, your dead body, dangling from the ceiling of some person's home, shit dripping out of your pant legs, a family of four come in, shocked and horrified at what they're seeing, that their Christmas tree has had some little explosive dead diarrhea on it, on their favorite Christmas bulb of one family photo. Take a deep breath in and relax. It's all over. A new year to worry. A new year of death. A new year that might be the last. Because if there's one thing that's clear, it's that we're not going to do any sort of bargaining or coming to an agreement with Russia. And that might be the end of the world, but some people don't care about that. They only care about how many dead Russians there can be. There's never enough dead Russians in the world. Take a deep breath in and think about how the crown, aka the British royalty, has definitely killed more people than Hitler or Mussolini or um, Pol Pot. Think of that. And yet, they're still around. King Charles, his favorite uncle, Lord Mountbatten, was a pedophile. Breathe it out. Breathe it out. And breathe something just as heinous in. Prince Charles was introduced to Jimmy Seville by his favorite uncle. For those who don't know about Jimmy Seville, he was a literal demon, a necrophilic pedophile who was a very popular DJ and did so much good charitable work. Sometimes people do good things to combat the karma they collect by being literal demons. Maybe you've ran across one of these lesser beings, lesser demons in your daily life. Breathe in and visualize the demon that might be in your life. The lesser demon. Not Beelzebub, but more like a Bielsa 
part. As you picture this person, try to think of what demons they have in their closet, what their shadow self thinks of them. One more thing. Charles and Diana, one of their marriage counselors, just so happened to be Jimmy isn't that nice it's almost as if all these disgusting rich powerful people are demons and they do horrible things behind the back doors well putting on a smiling face for us. Don't worry. Just do as you're told. It's all a distraction and smoke and mirrors. There's no powerful man behind the curtain. There's no Oz. There's them. And you can see it. And they're public. Breathe in that Martin Luther King Jr. was killed by the government. Breathe in that it's hard to do U.S. assassinations today. And any time the FBI CIA go after somebody or say they found evidence just be leery because those institutions are only governed by themselves the FBI and the CIA work with the president but not work for the president. It's always fun. I think that's just a way for me to monologue and do a little, uh, do a little talking. I think it'll get better. So with it being a new year, Everyone always has resolutions, and I think the number one typically is always to get in shape, to lose weight, and now that childhood obesity is an epidemic or whatever they say, they are now going to, or they are, targeting kids for weight loss surgeries and weight loss medications. Rose Garcia says for as long as she can remember, doctors told her she was overweight. What did the doctor or others tell you to do? Just to exercise and eat better. 
She struggled unsuccessfully for years. Then, at age 15, she developed hypertension and became pre-diabetic. I visited my doctor and I told her that I wanted to lose weight, but I wanted help. I knew I couldn't do it by myself. With parental permission, she finally tried bariatric weight loss surgery last June, along with counseling for emotional eating. Since then, she has lost more than 90 pounds. Did you look in the mirror and think, who is that? My clothing was a big, big sign. I would put on my favorite dresses and they were too big. And it was really, really surprising to me. The new guidelines from the AAP recommend better nutrition, exercise, and face-to-face -face counseling. Treatment may also include weight loss drugs and surgery for adolescents who meet the criteria. But for many families, medication and surgery are not covered by insurance, if they have insurance. What do you think about these new guidelines? I think that it's, a, it's definitely a step in the right direction. How do you thread that needle between body shaming and communicating that there are some consequences to your health if you're overweight or obese? It is not about how you look. It's how your body is on the inside. Lots of obstacles remain, especially inequity and access to health care, medical insurance and healthy food. Now, some parents may. Qu it's what's inside that counts, my friend. It's not the outside. It's the inside full of fat. It's what's inside that counts, my friend. It's all the inflammation in the gout. It's what's inside that counts, my friend. If you keep eating sugar, you might get diabetes and lose a leg or a foot, maybe a digit. Uh, also... I have a, a thing that says if you're anti-fat, you're racist, or, or you're anti-black. So that's that's interesting. This is not like racism. It is racism. Anti-fatness is rooted in anti-blackness. And the reason why people are pursuing thinness is because they're pursuing proximity to whiteness. The reason why people hate fat people is because people hate black people. And appearing curvy or bigger is associated with blackness, especially black women. And that's why they're discriminated in the workplace, um, overly sexualized. And this has gone back for centuries and centuries. All systems of oppression, capitalism, sexism, racism, it all comes back to white supremacy which is the foundation of the fabric of America and rules every sector and aspect of our society. I didn't know people had a fat, uh, fat black woman fantasy. People have mammy fantasies. I don't think, I don't think black fatness. And as a white man, I don't think fatness and blackness go hand in hand. I mean, yes, I think fat, black women that are sassy and sweet are probably the backbone of America. Yes, I think if you go into a store and the cashier or if you go if you go in a cashier is a fat, sassy, older black woman who is sweet and calls you honey or sugar, that makes my trip. I will go back to that store and go to her register just so she can call me honey, sugar, sweetie, whatever, you know, simply syrup, whatever. Because that makes me feel good about myself. I don't think, I think that, <laughs> I don't think, I think, uh, the backbone of America, and we all in, in the left will agree, the backbone of America 
is black people and the foundation of America has been has been made by on their backs. So I think what I'm saying is correct. Everybody loves a funny, fat black man. Everybody. I mean, Patrice O'Neill, Earthquake, when he was, I mean, he used to be really large, and now he's not that large. Um, uh, what's the one guy, uh, Ralphie May, you know, fat and black, or fat and Puerto Rican, or, or uh, fat black lesbian, whatever, whatever Ralphie May was. He, Ralphie May was an anomaly. Nobody knew what exactly you heard it. You came up with the decision. Then you seen it. Then you're like, whoa, okay, that's throwing me for a loop. Um, but the idea that fat equals black is really weird. Because I see more fat white people than I do fat black people. But also, maybe they just hide it rather well behind their swagger and how they wear oversized shirts. So, although I've always thought you weren't supposed to wear oversized shirts because it makes you look bigger. So, I don't know what the fuck. I think, Pete, I don't, I don't know if this is all not real as far as this outrage or if they're trying to link everything back to racism. Uh, but I think the big sugar industry is definitely has some ploy into this sort of anti or, or this body body positivity. And it's not a bad thing, but it's it's different. Uh, here's here's another weird fat compilation TikTok thing. Generally speaking, there's three kind of big buckets of reasons why someone might engage in intentional weight loss. First is desirability, second, health, third, stigma. But at the end of the day, all of those are rooted in fat phobia in different ways, and I'll explain. First, desirability. That is kind of the most obvious when it comes to fat phobia. We currently live in a society that uplifts thinness, able-bodiedness, whiteness, cisness, and heterosexuality as the things that are most desirable. And so if you are one... I don't think that's what people want anymore. I think... Well, I should say... I don't think that's what the media is pushing us to want anymore. Um, really, the media has been pushing, and it not not a bad thing for inclusivity, but then they get mad because people don't want it. If you're trying to put out something that's LGBTQ+, you can't get mad that 70% of people don't fucking watch it. Because if you do, then you're retarded because then you don't understand your demographic. So obviously, there is a percentage of people that will be into that. But at the same time, it's not going to be the mainstream. It's never been the mainstream. Uh, queer movies have always been small indie art house films. But uh, back to this nonsense. 
wanting to lose weight in order to become more desirable, you are upholding a fat phobic beauty standard, as well as, you know, white supremacy and all that jazz. So next is health. What we know is that weight is not a good indicator of someone's health, and also your health is not an indicator of your worth. You can have health and body-related goals for yourself that are not about fat phobia and not about weight loss. So let me give you an example. You might decide that you have a goal of hiking a particular mountain in your area. Now you would be engaging in different types of movement in order to achieve that goal. You may or may not lose weight in doing that. And in fact, there's lots of fat mountaineers and hikers. Yeah, I really don't think there's a uh, fat Shermas or Sher- Sherpas, those uh, people that have just lived on the mountains forever, like the people that help others climb mountains. Well, they're just doing it in their hands and feet, and everyone else has those, like, uh, sticks, them claws and whatnot, and them Sherpas are just fucking walking up it like it ain't nothing, like uh, one of those goats. Yes, I've seen morbidly obese Sherpas. No, no, those are alpacas that that you're seeing, honey. I want you to talk to a doctor about how... Being fat is healthy, and it doesn't increase your risk of, let's say, heart disease and heart attack. Or are, is your heart racist and fat phobic, and that's why it tries to kill you? I think that's the root of heart disease and heart attacks. Racist hearts. Anyways. Third bucket reason is that you might be facing extreme fat phobia and anti-fat bias in your own life and you have personally mentally hit a wall where you can't deal with it anymore and so you decide to intentionally lose weight. That is actually the case with Roxanne Gay, who is very tall. They are like six foot or six one and prior to their weight loss surgery, they would have been categorized as a super fat So being a super fat and being that tall comes with a particular type of physical accessibility challenge as well as anti-fatness. And so for that reason, Roxanne Gay elected to have weight loss surgery. But it's really important that if you still go through with intentional weight loss that you don't sacrifice fat liberation politics because otherwise it's still just fat phobia, even if you're doing it for your mental health and accessibility. So is super fat their term or can I use it? Or is it going to be one of those terms that everyone can use it, but then in five to ten years it's going to be hateful and I'm going to be like, yo, but check it out. This bitch was saying super fat and uh, if she's comfortable using it and everybody else is comfortable using it, then why is it bad now? And they're going to be like, well, it's clearly racist about black people. And you're like, how how do you say that? And they, then they go, well, fat equals black. And if you're anti-fat, you're anti-black. And you're like, that doesn't make... What, what, what type of arithmetic is this? Is this two plus three equals four? Or one plus... What, whatever that one thing was. Uh, so, either... Well, if you're trying to lose weight... Don't because you're fat phobic and a racist piece of shit. Um, If your doctor says you need to lose weight, you should call them fat phobic and try to get them 
to be disbarred or banned or whatever because we cannot have racist doctors when we have our own racist hearts trying to kill us. Every pound, every 10 pounds you gain, your racist heart grows or shrinks, whatever. (laughs) Your racist heart grows a little hateful for every 10 pounds you put on. And and inside it starts thinking you're black, really. And most people don't know that because the fatter you become, the more, the, obviously the more fat is in you. And I don't know, have, have you ever put more blankets on your window or blankets on top of you and it gets dark quick? And that's exactly what confuses your heart. It cannot see beyond an inch and once that happens it confuses you for a black person and then it becomes more and more racist given the weight you put on and eventually it might kill you and that's uh that's the end of this